Okay, I want you to go to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 3, passage of scripture that we've pulled this series from as we study the life of Nehemiah. And it says, But I said to the king, Nehemiah speaking, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it that you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So that I can rebuild it. Nehemiah was on a mission to go back into Jerusalem and rebuild what had been broken down. Children of Israel were in captivity for years. The city of Jerusalem had been taken captive. Now the walls were broken down. Zerubbabel and then Ezra both went to to bring a prophetic word or a message from God. Now Nehemiah comes on the scene, and Nehemiah sees the condition of the walls. He says, I can see that they are broken down. I can see that people are in despair. He said, send me. We talked about this last week. This is is one of the most powerful, this is one of the most powerful declarations you can say as a believer is not God send them, but God send me. God send pastor, no, God send me. God send a leader, God send a, no, God send me. This is what we prayed for last week, that God would send us to broken places, to broken people, to broken walls, to broken families, to broken marriages, and that God would burden our hearts to rebuild the places that have been broken down. We talked about this last week. Every single person has gone through some type of situation where you've been broken. Everybody's got brokenness. The room, this room, people are watching online, the room is full of brokenness. But what you do with that brokenness determines the rest of your life. You can take that brokenness and sit with it and start saying, God, why? Or you can take that brokenness into the presence of God like Nehemiah did and say, Lord, send me. See, I found this to be true is that God will use even the difficult times and periods of your life. If you present and give those things to him, God will use the broken places and he'll turn them into opportunities for ministry. He'll turn those things that broke you down or caused trouble, and as you give them to the Lord, God will heal your heart, but he will also burden your heart for other people who have gone through the same things that you've gone through. I'm going to tell you this. God wants us to be builders. God has uniquely designed you, created you, purposed you to be A builder. Brokenness can turn to bitterness or burden depending on where you take it. Brokenness can turn to bitterness or to burden depending on where you take it. Now, I want you to go two chapters later to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah is making progress. He has seen that the city is broken down, which broke him down. He was brokenhearted at the condition of the city. Can I just say this, that the condition of our culture should break us. We should be brokenhearted for the condition of the next generation. We should be brokenhearted for the condition of our cities. We should be brokenhearted for the conditions that we see in our world. Nehemiah didn't turn a deaf ear to what was broken. He allowed it to break him. But the brokenness he brought into the presence of God says he fasted and he prayed. 
and that brokenness turned to burden. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, it says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. Pause. I don't know why, but it seems a little unfair to me to say yes to God on building what he wants you to build, and then the first person you encounter is angry. And it's like, it's hard enough process to get to the yes, and then when you get to the yes, someone's angry at you. I'm going to tell you this, there will always be opposition to the thing that God wants to do. There will always be opposition to the rebuilding that God wants us to do. It says, he was angry that they, became, they began to build the wall and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria. He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Now he's trying to insult them. Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. I think it was like an ancient insult or something. It's like, even a fox could break it down. It's like, all right. It says, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. God always protects those who build. When, when he finds a builder, you will see this throughout scriptures that God will protect his builders and what he's building. It doesn't mean that you'll never encounter opposition, but it means that God is protecting. He's watching out for what he is building. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. I think this is interesting and probably is what God's asking from us today is, have you ever worked with all your heart? Have you ever built something for God with all of your heart. I don't know if anybody in the, in the room, you ever tried to remodel a house before. We were, we were thinking about doing a remodel a little while back, and we started getting the estimates in. And, and so remodels are crazy, first of all. Um, I, I just, if, if you know a contractor out there that can do a remodel under budget and on time, I would like to meet them, okay? I would like to meet them. Maybe in heaven somewhere. It's like remodeling is kind of like sin, Takes you, keeps you longer than you want to stay, costs more than you want to pay, you know what I'm saying? So we, we were thinking like, all the contractors in the room, I love you, but could you start like overbidding so that you can surprise somebody? I was just like, just tell me it's going to be three years before my powder bath is done, and then when it's done in a year, I'll be happy, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, some contractors in the room, I can feel the tension. We were thinking about remodeling, we got the estimates in and, and all of this, and we're like, man, this is crazy. The remodel is going to cost like almost more than what we paid for the house. I mean, this, this is crazy. And so we're looking at it, and we're like, it's going to take a lot of time. Then they said, you're probably going to have to move out for a little while while we do something. And we finally said, you know what? We're not remodeling. We're just selling. Yeah. Uh, we're just taking the easy way out. We're just, we're just, we're just going to sell. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Because we've been praying into this series and talking about this, that so many people, instead of rebuilding the thing that God's called us to rebuild, it's easier to sell out on the burden altogether. It's easier to sell it than it is to apply yourself to rebuild it. And many of you know this, to actually do what God's called you to do, it's pricey. 
it costs something. It, co- it costs something. Maybe not financially, or maybe, it, maybe financially as well, but it will cost something. From, it requires something from you. Before you build, you have to allow God to break your heart for something. We call that a burden. The, uh, people say, man, I don't know, a burden sounds negative. No, a burden is anything that concerns you. It's something that captivates your heart. It's something that catches you. A negative burden is a burden you carry that you shouldn't, that you shouldn't carry. A burden that you carry that you catch from the presence of God is a beautiful burden. I was talking to Jamie last week after the message, and, and uh, we were kind of talking about it. She goes, you know what? You should have called it. And I'm like, well, you could have told me before the message, but it's over now, but thank you. She says, you should have called it the beautiful burden. You know, I was thinking about that. That's really what it is, isn't it? It's the be- it, it, it is an honor to be trusted with the burden of the Lord. It is an honor to carry the weight or the burden that God's called you or called me to rebuild some wall. Maybe God's calling you to rebuild the wall of marriage. Maybe God's calling you to rebuild the wall of business. Maybe God's calling, but it is a blessing to be trusted. Nehemiah counted it a blessing to be burdened by the burden of the Lord because he was trusted to lead the way in rebuilding the city of God. It is a, it is a beautiful burden. The Bible says that God's burden is light. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. It doesn't say there's not going to be a burden. People read that scripture and they say, yes, praise God. But he didn't say there's not going to be a burden. You have to, ha- you got to carry the burden of God. And he does make it light. Because when we build what he wants us to build, the burden is light. If you're building for you, then the burden becomes heavy. Burdens that are heavy are burdens that we were never meant to carry. When we're trying to build our kingdom for our purpose, for our goals, that burden, friend, is heavy. When you've given yourself to build the kingdom of God, that burden, when you build what he put in your heart to build, that burden is light. That burden is light. It says in Nehemiah chapter 4 that they were angry that they begin to rebuild. I'm going to tell you this. Anytime you're trying to do something great for God, you're going to have to expect opposition. One of the scriptures I have a really difficult time with is Jesus says that he says that some of you are going to be hated. I like to be liked. I like people liking me. Jesus is like, get ready. Get ready. Why are we so surprised when trouble hits? Why are we so surprised when someone disagrees with us or our stance or our morals or our stand? Why are we so surprised? Jesus even said, hey, in this world, you're going to have some trouble. Jesus told us we're going to have trouble and all of us expect like peace and prosperity. Are we reading the same Bible? He says, you are going to have trouble. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That's good news. It doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble though. So it is a blessing to be burdened, but any burden that you carry will also be tested. That there's going to be opposition. You don't really know you have a burden until someone tried to distract you from it, persuade you out of it, or try to tell you that it would never work or that you could never do it. Do you know how many times since I've been in ministry that people have told me that we could never do something? 
When we were in that building over there, just one campus, right in that little building, you guys could never build a building. You're sitting in that never right now. The Dream Center in Oak Cliff, people said you could never buy that building. We can never start a hub of ministry in the middle of a pandemic. We're going to be there every single, you're going to be there for back to school, giving out over a thousand backpacks and a thousand pairs of shoes. People said that young people can't serve God, but yet we're seeing a movement of young people stand up and be counted. People say after high school, young people are going to walk away from God, yet we see a college program that is full with passionate, on-fire, purpose-driven young people. There is always opposition to the building of God. I don't know where we got the idea that we're just going to build and nothing's going to stop us. Everybody's cheering us on. Build, baby, build. That's not reality. If you're going to build, you're going to have to expect some type of opposition. But I want you to know this. You were born to build. You were created to build. You were destined to build. You were wired to build. It's, it is knit in the fabric of who you are to be a builder. There are broken places. There are broken businesses. There are broken cities that need you. And I know what you're saying. I'm not a, I'm not a builder. And we talked about this last week. Nehemiah wasn't a builder either. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Nehemiah was just tasting the king's Kool-Aid before he drank it. That's all Nehemiah was. He didn't know how to build, but he had a yes. I'm going to tell you this. God will take people with a yes, and he'll change cities. God will take people with a yes and do things and make things possible that seem impossible to our human minds and to our human understandings. I want you to know something about this church. We're not trying to just fill buildings and start campuses. We are believing God for city transformation. Everywhere that God sends us, everywhere that God plants us, we are believing for revival, for an awakening, for hearts to turn to God. And it's going to happen not because of good preaching or good worship, but because of builders, people that carry the burden of heaven, people that carry the burden of God, and we, we say collectively, God, you have our, our yes. If you're going to succeed in building what God has put in your heart, I want to give you just a couple keys. You're going to have to build with a divine pattern. You're going to have to build with a divine pattern. Pattern. This means this, that I'm not just out there trying to build. You know, most people, they try to build out of brokenness before brokenness is turned to burden. Which means this, something happens and in retaliation or reaction, I say i got to build a wall here. I'll never trust again because I'm coming out of brokenness. But when you take brokenness and you give it to God, God creates burden. You know, I, I feel like God's given me an authority, an anointing to, to speak to young people, specifically young people that have grown up in the church. You know why? I grew up in the church. I was complacent and apathetic and grew up in the church. And now I see God giving me a burden for young people who've grown up in the church but don't know the reality of his presence or the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm passionate about it. I'm burdened for it. So what I once was given to God now becomes a burden right? Now we pray for strategy in how to build. So that's why we have VBX. That's why we have a leadership college. That's why we have these youth programs, because now we put strategy to the burden. I've got to build according to pattern. Moses 
in the Old Testament. He's one of my favorite characters in, in the Old Testament. And the Bible teaches us this in the book of Exodus. It says that whenever Moses would go up to the mountain, God would come down. So God would call Moses up, and then God would come down. The mountain became the meeting place for Moses. If you hear God speaking to Moses, it was because Moses was on the mountain. But this is interesting. God never gave Moses a word on the mountain that was supposed to stay on the mountain. God would speak to Moses on the mountain, and then he'd go down to the valley, and he would share it with the people. So God gave him a pattern on the mountain, but he built in the valley. I'm going to tell you this. God will give you a burden, and the burden is not for people on the mountain. The burden is for the valley. But the strategy comes from the mountain. I tell youth pastors this all the time. If you build from the valley, you'll build wrong. If you build from the valley and you don't have a pattern from God, I'm going to build like someone else I saw on Instagram. I'm going to build like someone else's ministry that I saw on TikTok. I'm going, to feel, I'm going to feel less than because I'm comparing myself to another ministry in another place. But when I get alone with God and I meet with him and I get the pattern from him, then I can be faithful now to build in the valley what he showed me on the mountain. This, the, the New Testament equivalent is James, the book of James. If you draw near to God... He will draw near to you. If Moses was faithful to go up, God was faithful to come down. I have to build with a divine pattern. So if you've got a burden, I know after last week many of you messaged me, somebody, I got a burden, Pastor, I got a burden. You take that burden and you take it to the place of prayer and the place of fasting until God says, step. And God will open a door, God will illuminate a relationship, God will give you an opportunity, and you step in faith. And the faith, and you see this all throughout the Gospels, faith unlocks the miraculous. Or you could say it this way, obedience unlocks the presence of God. So it might not all happen in a day, but when I'm faithful with the burden, God will begin to reveal the steps. I've got to build with a divine pattern. The Holy Spirit has anointed you to build. People tell me all the time, I don't know if I'm gifted to do this. I don't know if I'm skilled to do this. Friends, the Holy Spirit is the one who anoints you to do the building. It's not your power. It's not your strength. It's not your gifting. It's not your abilities. It is his power. It's your yes. It's his strategy. I have to build with a divine pattern. I have to build with divine partnership. Now, this is interesting. In Nehemiah chapter 2, you got you to see this. Nehemiah chapter 2, he says, send me and I will rebuild the wall. I, singular. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6 says, so we, plural, Right? Two, in Acts chapter two, or Nehemiah chapter 2, he says, I will rebuild it. Nehemiah chapter 4, he says, we have rebuilt it. You know what this is? This is the power of divine partnership. That whatever God's doing in you is not supposed to be or meant to be done alone. Yeah, I, I, wish it, I wish it was just, I wish the Bible just said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that was it. Because the loving your neighbor part is the one where I have a hard time. Right? I mean, it's just, it says, love the Lord your God, right, and love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, we're supposed to be doing this together. What God has for you is too big for you to do on your own. 
I, I, I've been in prayer lately, and I, this is what I've been telling some of our guys, is that there are kingdom multipliers. There are kingdom accelerators where you're building, and you're being faithful, and you're obeying, but God brings a divine partnership that accelerates the vision, or it accelerates your progress. It accelerates what you're building. It's a kingdom multiplier. You remember when Jesus was telling Peter to, to cast his net on the other side? of the boat. They had, they had fished all night and caught nothing. He says, I want you to throw your net on the other side. Peter throws his net on the other side. They catch such a large catch of fish. The Bible says that the nets were beginning to break. So what did they have to do? They had to call for other people to help. What God is about to do in our city, in DFW, is bigger than a church name or a movement name or a person or a personality. What God is about to do will require the obedience of multiple movements, multiple churches, multiple ministries that have a yes in their heart to the Spirit of God that will link arms in obedience and say, God, will build what you put in our heart to build. It's divine partnerships. Divine partnerships. Do you know, if you have divine partnerships, it will fill you with faith. But if you lack divine partnerships, the critics will rob you of courage. You know, it's interesting. It says the ones who opposed the building, they questioned their strength. They said, what are these feeble Jews doing? They questioned their ability. Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they... Can they? They question their burden. What are they building? Even a fox, the ancient insult. Even a fox climbing on it would break down their, they question their strength, their ability, and their burden. Let me tell you this. Critics have no authority to stop the work. They can only try and discourage you from it. Nehemiah had the authority of the government to build the wall he was about to build. He had the king's word behind him. There was no way that these haters were going to get in the way of what God was doing. So the only option they had was to discourage them from the work they were doing. I'm telling you what God's put in your heart to build. The enemy has no authority or no power to assassinate, to ruin, or to delinquish. What the enemy will try to do is discourage you, divide you. He will try to rob confidence from you to believe that you actually could do the thing that God has called you to do. Have you ever doubted that God could actually do the thing that he put in your heart to do? You ever been full of faith in one season of life and then after life hits you, there's another season of life and you just don't have the same faith that you used to have? It's the enemy's ploy to rob you of courage, to rob you of faith. Did you know that God's word doesn't lose power as time goes on? If God spoke something in one season, it's as strong in this season as it was then. It didn't lessen in power. It didn't lessen in ability. It didn't lessen in possibility. The only thing that lessened was our own faith in it. But if God spoke it, it's going to happen. You know, we're in the middle as a church of like three different miracles. What I mean by that is when I say miracles, you get excited. But the miracles for us are three massive areas of faith that we don't know how it's going to happen unless God comes through. So when you say miracles, the church gets excited. But if you actually pull apart the miracle, the making of a miracle, 
Everybody wants the result of the miracle, but the making of the miracle is painful. It's scary sometimes. It's full of doubts, full of people that are telling you why you can't do what God has put in your heart to do. Can I just, can I just help us for a second? If, if another believer has a dream, why don't we just believe in it? Do you know who the worst critics of the church are? Other people in the church. Do you know who the worst, the worst at believing in the dream or vision or faith of another church? Other Christians. When you hear something so outlandish and so big, instead of trying to bring them back down to your level, why don't you say, how can I help you? Why don't you say that's incredible faith? Let's do it. For so many years of my own life, I let the voices of people keep vision private. Because the more you share it, the more people have negative th things to say about it. I remember when we were trying to get financing to build this building. We were over in that building, and we had met with seven bankers. Seven bankers had denied us. And they said, your church is too small. You don't have enough money. It's just not going to happen right now. And then, you know, the bankers come in, and all they want to talk about is, like, where they went to school. And um, I'm like, all I want to know is if you're going to give me the money or not. And then, like, Pastor Steve, you went to Baylor. Oh. And then, you know, it's like four hours later. And I'm saying, all I want to know is, are you going give to us, give us the money or not? Because I want to build. I want to build. I, I, I want to know. You know what? So many words of negativity start to weigh on your faith. And you believe in God. Some of you are doing this with healing. You believe in God for healing. And there was so many words from, from good Christians that are just saying, well, that just might be your lot in life. Or that might be your cross to bear. Or that might be your thorn in the flesh. Or that might... Why would you do that? God's will is to heal. And just because you don't understand God doesn't mean that you have to explain to everyone else your doubt. Why don't you just let people believe? Why don't you be a builder of faith? Why don't you be someone who champions the vision? If someone has the audacity to share their dream with you, why don't you just lend a hand? Why don't you give them a word of encouragement and help them build? It's divine partnership. And the last one, you have to build with divine perseverance. Anybody that's ever built anything, you know this, is that you're going to have to have some persistence. You're going to have to have some patience. You know, there's this, this quote. It says, we overestimate what we can do in a year, and we underestimate what we can do in a decade. And you know what? This could not be more true. We've pastored this church now for eight years. And every year I'm frustrated about the accomplishments of the year. But if I look back over eight years at the goodness of God, I am in awe of the lives that have been changed, of the, of the, of the lives that have been completely freed and delivered, of the souls that have been saved, properties and buildings and ministries and programs and people sent and pastors and ministers. I'm overwhelmed at what God's done in eight years. But you have to have persistence. Anything worth building is going to be, it's, it's going to take extra time. You are going to be challenged at multiple points in your building process to abandon the bigness of your dream. 
This is what I find a lot of people is they'll believe big, but life hits them, and so they'll take a smaller version of what they once believed. I would say you need a holy stubbornness that says, no, God, what you said then is what I'm holding on to now. I will not let up. I will not let go until I see fulfilled what you have already spoken. A divine persistence, a, 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 a pervasiveness, a decision that you will not let up or let down. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, you therefore, Paul is <laughs> talking to Timothy in a very gentle way. He says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I want to know what was Timothy's complaint that prompted Paul to say that. It's probably something silly, like, man, I don't want to preach today. You must endure hardship as a, or as something massive. Like he gets flogged like Paul did so many times. He was persecuted and he thinks it's a, thinks it's a big deal and Paul's like, you got to endure dis you got to endure hardship like a good soldier attention yes sir you know for many of us hardship can derail us from the faith in what god's put in us hardship can be your trainer or it can ruin you it's all about how you see it that's why james says count it all joy when you go through trials of many, count it all joy when I go through trials. I swear we take pieces of verses and we just like, we create a whole doctrine around them. Just count it all joy. We're like, yeah, joy. When? When you face trials. Why are we so confused when we face trials? Because God said count it all joy. What? Count it all joy when you face trials just in case you're wondering, of many kinds. <laughs> James just throws that out there. It's like, well, if you think it's just coming from the right, i got to make sure that it comes from the left and the top, and from all kinds. The thing that God's called you to build will require all of you. I think sometimes we think I can give this part to God or this part to building or this. No, the thing that God's called you to do, it will require all of you. That's the sacrifice of the gospel, isn't it? that I would stop building for me and I would start building for him. The Bible says if you want to lose your life, if you want to, if you want to find your life, then you have to lose your life. I, I, I've, got to, I've got to say no to building for me and I have to say yes to building for him. Many of you know this story, but it was 2019, we were in a planning meeting about really what God had for us next. We were seeking the Lord on what steps we needed to take and my wife, Jamie, she was a missionary before we got married in Thailand, Southeastern Asia, all over the place, and has an incredible heart for people. I was doing ministry in the local church, had a heart. Our hearts both had broken for people. I'd been to the L.A. Dream Center multiple times, and God had broken my heart for people. And 2019, we're in a, in a meeting, and the brokenness now is starting to turn to burden. Because we continue to put these experiences before the Lord, and now it's becoming a burden. And Jamie says, I think it might be time for us to take a step of faith and plant the Dream Center. 2019. So we said, okay, we got to do it. Now, this is, this is what gets confusing for some of us. Because you're like, I have a burden, but what do I do? You, you start in faith in the direction of the burden. 
little steps of obedience, prayers. You just, you just start. St- so we started stepping. We said we got we to find a location geographically. Where will this be? So we started looking around. We started looking at buildings. And now I just want to practically show you how the, the burden process works. The first couple buildings we, we went to, they didn't work. It didn't work. It felt like failure. Then finally, 2019, the end of 2019, we found a building, which is now our dream center. But check this out. We bought it, and it closed January of 2020. I mean, we were like, this is going to be the best year of prosperity, vision, ministry, productivity. And we're like, whoa, we have a $10 million renovation project on our hands in January of 2020 and then March 2020 hit. I'm going to just be real with you. I thought in my head, okay, we got to flip that thing quick because we're talking about pastors everywhere are doing this. How do we conserve? We don't know. We don't know if anything, we don't know what's real anymore. We don't know if our church is out there anymore because we weren't meeting. Everybody's freaking out. People are calling me. I'm calling people. You should have heard pastors talking. It was hilarious. A lot of faith. I, I had a guy tell me, he said, this is the end of the church as we know it. I said, wow, what? He goes, we will never go back to meeting again in person. He said, this church, the church is going to go completely online. It's going, I said, hey, hey, bro, stop, stop, stop. I said, the church will always come back together. And he said, no, this is a new wave. This is ushering us into this. Stop, stop, please stop. It's not a new wave. People will always come back together, and I'll tell you why. There is something about faith united with faith in the same room. There is something about the atmosphere of the people of God, and I believe it can translate online. I believe in digital. We have people watching from all over the world, but I'm telling you there's something about being in the room. And he argued with me a little bit, and I I told him this. I said, people will go back to sports stadiums. He's like, no, we won't. I'm like, brother, what is wrong? Just think about this. Why? Why do we go to stadiums, pay money to park four miles away from a stadium, (laughs) to climb 14 flights of stairs, to sit in the $8 cheap seats, To look at people we can no longer see because we're so high. When we have an 85-inch thin TV with a couch in front of it, food at our fingertips, that's $37 an item cheaper than... Why? There's something about being in the room. Something about being in the room. There's something something about the people, something about builders getting together. You need this. I need this. I felt it when I walked in this morning. We begin to worship. I said, oh, this, I need this. This is my spirit begin to jump because I'm with other builders. I feel the burden of the Lord, but I'm with builders. Something about it. So we had 2020, we had the building and then we felt the Holy Spirit say, start feeding people. Well, the problem is you can't go in the building because it's not safe yet. It's been vandalized. There's no AC. So we set up a tent. 
Now, this is a crazy thing about the burden because you'd think you got the building. Yeah, miracles, awesome. We're still not in the building. We just did VBX out there. It was like a hundred and a lot. <laughs> heat coming off the pavement, kids, like getting heat stroke. Because we can't go in the building yet. So the, the building process is still in. See, many of us are like this. If it doesn't happen right away, we think we must have failed or God must have failed. But we need a divine persistence. It says we're, we're going to be here. 2023, we're going to still be here. 2024, we're going to still be here. I remember in 2020, somebody, we had, we had, some, we had some opposition to the, to the wall, to the building. And somebody told me, your church won't even be here in three months. Say, you know what? I don't know if you're going to be here in three months, but I'm going to be here in three months. And you come back in three years, and I'll still be here. And the builders will still be here. There will always be opposition to the move of God. But the people who build what he builds, there is not a devil or demon in hell that can stand against the move of God. The kingdom of God is advancing. The church of Jesus Christ is being built. And the gates of hell cannot stand against it. We're builders. Come on, you can stand up with me. I feel like I keep on preaching, but it's hot outside. I'm hungry. You're hungry. Three things you got to build. Three things to build. You might say, well, Pastor, I'm not called to full-time ministry. I don't know what you're talking Like, what am I going to build? I'm going to tell you this. Each of us are called to build three things. We're build, called to build our families. Number one. Each person, you are called to build your family. Through our families, we're going to see revival in our nation. We are called, now I want you to hear me on this one, called to build our businesses. So that's kind of a weird one to throw in there. Deuteronomy chapter 28 says he's given us the power to make wealth. Do you know why many of you are burdened in your work? It's because your work is for you. If you flip the script on your work and understand that whatever job you hold, it is to fund his kingdom and to advance, his, it'll, it'll, change your, it'll change your mindset. You'll feel it. It'll change your heart. It'll change your, whatever, you're blessed to have a job. If you're blessed to have a job, well, it's a burden, Pastor. You're blessed to have a burden as long as you got God helping you carry that burden because you're building what he's building. If you're trying to build your kingdom, the burden is heavy. The nine to five seems long. But if you're building what he's building, the time's going to fly by, promotion's going to come, and you're going to see increase. Well, Pastor, are you preaching increase? No, I'm preaching building. Anybody ever built anything? You ever done it for free? Me neither. There's not a ministry. There's not an organization. There's not a business. There's not a house. There, you cannot find anything that did not require some sort of price. So when the builders come together, things begin to be possible. Build your family. Build your business. You know, Jamie and I, we, we get excited about finding other opportunities and other streams of income so that we can 
give. That's, that's like one of our, like we have the gift of giving. We love to give. It, it's, when you're a builder, you want to help other people build. If you've got building in your heart, you want to build your family, build your business, and build his church. I got so much that I want to say on this, but I'm, I, want to, I want to close just so we can respond to the Lord. But we've got to be committed to building this church. I, I, I'm, I'm, like a, I'm a visionary, so I like always got like stuff going, new ideas. As soon as things start to calm down, I got like five more. Bianca told me the other day, she's like, man, you really kind of make it hard on yourself. Because right when it could be a little bit calm, then I'm like the next. And I had three ideas this morning, really good. Told Jamie. In worship, the first service, I was like, I got a strategy. She's like, oh, God, no. Where, where are we moving? Where are we going? We're not moving anywhere. Vision that's so, so far out there. Vision. This is what I've been starting to think about. I've been starting to think about not just my life, not just the life of my kids, but the life of my kids' kids. So, so just think about this for a second. Just think about this. What is going to be left of us in two generations? I believe this, that what we're doing and what we're instilling in the next generation, their passion for Jesus and houses of worship will be all over America. Actual churches. I've been, I've been crazy about physical buildings lately. I just like, there's something about it. I was with Pastor Matthew Barnett of the LA Dream Center, and he said, Dustin, don't discount the power of actual real estate. I said, okay. I said, he goes, when there's been a move of God someplace, he said, you want to preserve that place. He said, we don't need more churches sold. We don't need more churches turned into office complex. And I, I caught it. That day. I caught that burden. I said, I want there to be all over America houses of worship, not empty, but full of people lifting up the name of Jesus. People that are, are sacrificing, have a yes in their heart to build his kingdom. Legacy. Build your family, build your business, build his church. When I say build this church, I hope you know that it doesn't mean church 1132. It's way bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. We're building his church. That means you gotta be careful of friendly fire. Other people that are building, just because they're building different than you, or have a different vernacular than you, don't tear them down. Help them. You might need them. Don't burn bridges that you might need when your nets are too full. You just, we're going to build together. We're going to build, oh, it's just me and my ministry. And my, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. I want to be a, I want to be a builder, not of the kingdom of Church 1132. I want to build the kingdom of God. I want legacy that endures when I'm dead and in the ground that people would still have that same passion and fire. Friends, we can do that. We can do that if we catch what Nehemiah caught and it's the burden of the Lord.